Welcome everyone to our experience podcast and ASCP podcast. As we all know, pharmacies play a critical role in healthcare. In today's rapidly evolving technology landscape, they must harness the power of software and hardware to drive continual process improvement, achieve cost savings, and all along maintain a content maintain content and motivated workforce. Of course, it's important to make sure you maximize your current tools at your disposal. But pharmacies need to extend beyond the vigilant about merging software, hardware systems, and technologies in the market. To maintain relevance, pharmacies need to be in persistent pursuit of innovation for strategic growth and value-added offerings in an effort to supplement and diversify from traditional practices. With that all said, which was a mouthful. That was really good. Did you write that? <laughs> Chat GPT wrote that. <laughs> and, uh, but we have with us today Matt Knopfsinger, formerly known from TCGRX, and now with the new company, JFCRX. And he's going to hear, be here to educate us on all that I said there about innovation and software. So welcome, Matt. Thanks for having me, guys. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, your history, and what you have going on now. Yeah, I, it's been an interesting journey for me because I got out of uh, college and I was really passionate about politics at the time. And uh, so I was applying for different jobs in the political realm. And, but it also happened that I, turned, I spoke Japanese and they paid a lot more money for someone who speaks Japanese than for running some political campaign, it turns out. So I took that job, and that happened to be with um, Sanyo. And Sanyo was the original uh, manufacturer of automation equipment that was sold to do adherence packaging in the United States. Baxter Healthcare sold it. And that's the first time I met a gentleman named Dwayne Schutte, who um, started and owned Automed Technologies. Um, and that's where I got my first introduction, uh, into the pharmacy automation and software world. And I've been doing it for the last 25 or so years. And I've seen a lot of changes in the industry. Uh, most of the changes have been automation, like specific automation, hardware, software, feature functionality differences. Um, but they were kind of minor incremental differences. And, um, and where I'm at in my career today is now having uh, the benefit of having great friends like, like Tom, Chad, and the industry around us who are informing us as to what we really need to do to take the industry to the next level. And it's a lot more than just a new hardware feature and automation. So um, at JFC, uh, we just launched the company this week, and we're really focused on the incremental, and I mean paradigm-shifting changes in hardware and software that are going to allow pharmacies to go to the next level in terms of um, cost reductions but also revenue generation. And then I've been, um, one of my passionate areas has been around trying to figure out how we diversify uh, pharmacies from the traditional script filling revenue and looking at um, ways of introducing clinical billing and partnering with physicians and physicians groups to get a lot more sticky and drive uh, prescription revenue coming into, into pharmacy in a more meaningful way, rather than continually fighting for the same 100 beds. 
um, and yeah. hoping you get that extra 100 beds every year. Uh, it's, it's an exhausting place to be. So um, I've been really passionate about trying to help pharmacies take their existing customer base and figure out new revenue streams within their current customer base. Right. Yeah. I mean, being in pharmacy operations my whole life and, and being tunneled in, in that kind of focus, and then you get out and you start working with other companies and you, you've seen this evolvement, it, it seems like in some areas, in some ways, pharmacies are, are 50 years behind other industries. You know, I was talking to someone the other day about Toyota had just-in-time inventory, Six Sigma processes and all the stuff back in the, in the 60s and the 70s. And, and here we are, you know, uh, still putting pills on a tray and counting them out in, in some situations and, you know, have just basic technologies. Uh, how and why do you think that pharmacy is so lagging behind when it comes to software and technology and, and that kind of thing? Yeah, it's a good question, and I think there's multiple answers, but, man, I I look at, <laughs> I remember, I went, I, this was early on when I first got into this, and I went up to a, I went up and visited a, a, a very busy hospital outpatient pharmacy, and I'm standing here in this pharmacy just observing and learning and taking it all in, and there's this farm, and th there were probably five technicians working the front counter. I'm getting a tour from the, the head pharmacist, and all of a sudden, my tour comes to an end. I hear technicians screaming at the front counter, hey, where's Mary's prescriptions? I don't know. Did you put them here? No, I don't know where they're at. And they proceeded for the next 10 minutes to scramble around that pharmacy to find medications for a patient at the front counter. And I'm thinking, what just happened here? Like, that's 10 minutes. There were probably three people involved. So half an hour so with not the efficient. pharmacist involved, just trying to find meds. And I thought... And that was my first introduction to the fact that, you know, you, you have some of the most educated, smartest people in the world with pharmacists. You know, the, these are people who know more about healthcare and, and, and medication management than just about anybody in the marketplace, including, um, I mean, I think they're right on par with any physician. And yet they're running around counting by 30s, um, filling 30-day unit dose blister cards, counting by tens and dealing with adjudication issues. And I think um, if pharmacies today aren't in the relentless pursuit of changing that paradigm, um, and we've seen it, right? I mean, we've seen how pharmacies are struggling with reimbursement, they're struggling with labor, they're struggling across the board. Um, and I kind of, I feel like if they, if they don't break out of that old mold of filling prescriptions as best they can 100% of the time, if they don't break out of that mold by leveraging automation and software and go after these new revenue streams, I think there's going to be a lot of trouble in our industry, continued trouble in our industry. I think there's a way to work out of it. Right. Um, to your point, Tom, it, you, you know, once you see all the different tools that are existing in the marketplace, there are paths for pharmacies and pharmacists to evolve in a in a very meaningful way in the in the clinical billing world, leveraging vertical integration into their current patient set, all kinds of opportunity. Um, Matt, I'm going to go back. You know, hearing you tell your story reminds me of being at. I, I worked at Skilled Care Pharmacy in out of Cincinnati. We were an early AutoMed customer. I visited 
Uh, I think the plant was in Wisconsin. Um, obviously knew Dwayne. I did not know that you spoke Japanese. So tell me where that came from. Obviously, it was prior to this work you've done in automation, but how did you learn to speak Japanese or why did you learn to speak Japanese? It's not that interesting of a story, but it, um, there were a couple motivations. Um, uh, I was, my college I went to, I signed up to be an international student liaison. I made friends with these two Japanese guys. And they, um, they taught me Japanese for $2.50 an hour. I paid them. And they taught me basic Japanese. And then I actually applied and went to our sister school in Tokyo and studied there for a year. And then I spent another year working there in Japan. And so I lived with, while I was there, I lived with a host family who spoke zero English. So my Japanese accelerated very, very quickly. And... I've been able to use that uh, language skill throughout my entire career because a lot of the vendors for pharmacy automation, a lot of the builders for pharmacy automation are out of Japan. No, I think, that's, I, mean, that, I think it's an awesome story. Like, you know, it's such a, a unique skill that happened to be the exact unique skill you needed to leverage that technology out of Japan and, and be part of bringing it to, to the United States. I think it's cool. Um, I didn't it's know that. It, made, it made my career and uh, made all the difference in the world to me. And it's made all the difference in the world bringing the technology over being successful because these vendors, if you can't communicate directly right. with the engineers, and with the business people, you're not going to get the, the product that you need. Yeah. And it's a culture there, too. It's not just speaking the language, but, you know, to be able to learn the culture and the way they, they do business over there, I think, has uh, served you well. Yeah, absolutely. The cultural piece is huge. And I think that's also translated very much over into how we do business in the U.S. because the culture from the Japanese, they're, they're very methodical. They're very engineering focused, very data driven. They don't make a move unless they're pretty sure it's going to work. And when they build equipment, they build it to just the top of the mark and so we've had just great experiences working with the japanese over the years so it was, it was a really nice combination of yeah. culture language and engineering coming so together just just to explore this this side of um who you are and and these companies how were they using were they using the technology in japan before it was adopted and and brought over to the United States. And what do you, what were you able to see in terms of how pharmacies operated in Japan that the United States could learn from? Like, what, what else are they doing? Obviously, the technology is a key part of it, but are they doing anything else that is unique from that standpoint? Well, um, the funny thing that comes to mind when you ask me that question is the fact that Japan and the rest of the world outside of the U.S. and Canada, I think, um, are doing pre-packed medications. They're doing boxed items. We're the only country, the only region in the world that U.S. and Canada that count pills, that take them out of a bulk bottle and count them out by 30 and, and then try to package them in some other way, in a vial, a blister card, or a pouch, or whatever it is. That's Everybody else pulls the box of 30 off the shelf and hands it out. Yeah, And so the models in Europe and Japan 
boy, they're very different than what we do in the U.S. for that reason, but also because in Japan, they only run, like, if you go to, you know, you, you go to Tom's Old Group Pruitt or you go to Skilled Care back in the old days and you're running, you're running batches of 50, 100, 150 patients out of a piece of pharmacy automation, the Japanese don't do that. They only run the meds when the patient walks up to the counter and they run one strip for that patient and they hand it to them. So none of the software, none of the firmware, none of the engineering for those automation for those automation products that they built for the overseas market, by and large, they don't apply to the U.S., especially in Asia. They just don't apply to the U.S. Europe does do big batches, but they have a whole deep blistering process they have to do yeah. in the middle of it to take out the meds from the patches. So they're at a major disadvantage when it comes to utilizing automation in Europe, but they still do it. So outside um, outside the dispensing functions and, and, and hardware and pieces like that, when I start thinking about automation and pharmacy and, and being behind, I'd say we're we're advanced uh, thanks to companies like like TCG. Uh, you know, we're we're advanced of where we need to be when it comes to the dispensing processes, as far as the hardware goes, at least. But expand a little bit for me on on the software piece and then um you know what pharmacies should be looking for maybe up front you mentioned the the clinical billing and those type of things can you can you expand a little bit more on on what you're envisioning or what you've seen yeah yeah so those machines come out of japan they build great machines and they can do the job here for the u.s market but the software doesn't match it at all and so what we typically do in the u.s is we say well we need higher we, we may need some tweaks to the hardware for higher volume capacity so we might change things like being able to hold more packaging film and ribbon um, ways of managing canisters because we do a lot more bulk volume here so we have to do things like daisy chaining canisters together expanding formulary and so forth and then on the software side we have to build software for our pharmacies that just um that that can facilitate enterprise level management because we have so many pharmacies here who have more than one machine. In Japan, there's a lot of pharmacies and a lot more machines than the US, but they're all mom and pop style pharmacies with lower volume. So there's a lot of one-offs in Japan, whereas here we have a lot of high volume pharmacies who are using two, three, four, five different pack packagers, imagers, blister card fillers in one, in one, in one uh, pharmacy. And you can see people in the industry have been edging towards trying to build enterprise level software systems. They've been edging towards building analytics and data dashboarding so that you can manage your, your pharmacy, your drug spend, your cycle fills better. No one's really done a great job of it in my estimation to, to this point. And so that's, um, you know, maybe a little bit of a shameless plug, but that's one of our objectives at JFC Group with our new pharmacy automation company is to relentlessly pursue uh, state-of-the-art, um, innovative dashboarding software that allows you to drill down into optimizing your pharmacy, not just showing you data, but giving you the actionable items to drill down and continually improve your workflow processes. I think that's a really important component. And the other part is managing enterprise-level systems. So in the past, um, you'd see, you know, you, you might go to a, a skilled care, a Pruitt or an elder care or somebody like that, and you'd say, well, okay, you, you've got, you might have a dosis machine, you might have a TCG machine, you might have a, a vial filler from somebody in your outpatient pharmacy. And generally speaking, most of the time, 
those pieces of automation and the inventory in them become these black holes. And so um, what we want to do is say, we're agnostic to the automation. We'd love for you to buy our automation, but we're agnostic. As long as you can facilitate the data that comes into our software solution, we're going to dashboard it. We're going to show you the problems. We're going to show you the opportunities, not only the problems in your workflow, but the opportunities for improving workflow and revenue generation. You know, I, I have this dream, Tom, um, about like like you look at um, you, you look at a hundred of our customers across the country, and you say, I can see that based on this disease state, through through your um, your your billing codes and your disease state um, identifiers we can see that there that you have x number of patients with this disease state on this drug and that has a and that's depleting calcium we can also see that you're not dispensing calcium for these patients here's an upsell opportunity that's just one small example right. of how we can leverage software and your existing data to integrate new revenue opportunities into a system and those are the things I think we need to be relentlessly pursuing because that, that's what's going to keep pharmacy growing and keep margins where they need to be. So I have a, I have a follow-up to that, Matt. Like, I think that that is something that is going to come hard and fast to pharmacies January 1st when the impact of insulin um, affects their bottom line. Um, obviously, the forecasted impact of the negotiations around the 10 drugs that are on the, the Medicare um, negotiation list. And in some ways, I feel like pharmacy is going to have to go back a little bit to what maybe we did in the you know, late 90s, early 2000s, where we were much more aggressive at formulary man management and utilization management um, in long-term care pharmacy. And I, I, I don't know that we've maintained that level of um, attention to it but it's coming back. So when you talk about software systems that do just exactly what you just said, does it go beyond, um, does it go, does it cross the whole formula? It's not just about the solid oral, oral tablets that are coming through the machine. You might be noticing that, hey, you use a lot of insulin and you should probably be looking at these GLP-1s that everybody thinks are so popular that um, have better margins for pharmacy, are better drugs for patients, do create efficiencies for individuals, whether they're in the home or the nursing home. Are, are you, is, is that sort of how you envision that software, that we, we, if we want to call it AI and make everybody freak out? AI, or is that how you're looking at it? Yeah, it's exactly how I'm looking at it. So I work with, right now, um, I work with a company called uh, Collaborative Healthcare Services. And one of the things that we're pursuing over there is to, it's, it's not as much about what your current formulary is, your, your oral solids are, and and trying to become a, right? There's, there's companies out there who analyze your current formulary, who rate shop and can help you with margins. But what we're more focused on is the clinical disease states and identifying additional opportunities that aren't uh, evident. So uh, you apply algorithms, AI, if you want to call it AI, but uh, frankly, um, I, I rather call them algorithms because as we, as an individual pharmacy and their particular business model, like I, I know a guy who does a lot with the weight loss drugs, and that's kind of an, an anomaly because he has, um, he's got some unique contracts there uh, that allow him to do that. 
So, but he's an example of somebody where we would have custom algorithms applied so that we can look at his weight loss um, patient profile and find deficiencies that might be inside of that patient healthcare profile and then dashboard out and say, here's some billable opportunities, whether that's drugs, OTCs, vitamins, or an NTM event or a clinical billing event. You know, and, and part of it too, Chad, is I, I think we need to be crossing over. And if you go look at ASHP and you look at SCPC and you look at these organizations, they're all fighting for pharmacists to, to practice at the, top of their, at the top of their license. Yep. I work with several uh, pharmacy associations around the country, and this is all that's on their brain is clinical billing. Yep. And so we have to now build tools, not, for, not just for physicians anymore, it's for pharmacies. And sometimes pharmacies won't be able to bill unless they have a provider. And that provider either has to be on staff, it has to be a collaborative care agreement. Um, but, but I think that's what we have to pursue. And once we do that, we can start applying, pharmacies can start participating in that clinical billing experience. Not just the billing, but in the data sharing. Because if we're mining data and pharmacies taking the lead as the technology provider, the putting diagnostic equipment, whether it's remote patient monitoring or otherwise out in the field to, 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 to look at medication compliance and blood pressure rates and things like that. If, if we do that as pharmacies, as technology providers, we have all the data we need to provide that to physicians and sometimes we'll be able to bill it ourselves, depending on how regulations pan out in the future, depending on whether or not um, there's a, a, farm, a, a physician on staff and so forth. Sure. But I think that's the future. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you completely. We've had conversations in these podcasts about incident to billing mm -hmm. and, you know, flu vaccinations and just ways that pharmacies could expand their, their revenue and, and, and diversify their business. Um, it's reminded me of this, this quote from Albert Einstein it says, we can't solve problems by using the same kind of thinking we use to create them. Where do you think the, uh, I don't know what the right word is, I guess the lack of assertiveness, the lack of aggressiveness, the lack of confidence that pharmacies have that, that they're not trying to go after these things more aggressively. They're not going after long-term care at home. They're not opening up vaccine clinics. There's pathways. We, yeah. we talk about them to nauseam. There's pathways. There's way to just generate revenue. What, in your opinion, from your experience, is keeping us from <laughs> just jumping out there and doing it? Well, first of all, um, I won't throw pharmacy under the bus for that, I guess, lost opportunity. Um, because if you look at, like, look at MTM. Yeah. Everybody thought they were going to go out and build MTM, and nobody's done it effectively. Very few people have done it effectively. Why haven't they done it effectively? Well, as I look at it, kind of standing back, um, I, I feel like the answer is a couple things. Number one is these pharmacies, you know, labor's not great these days. And so how do you find, it, like, shifting someone over from counting pills by 30 or filling a unidose card or pushing buttons on a machine to get pouches to come out, like that's a different person than the person who's gonna go out and do a comprehensive medication review. It's a different person than the person who's gonna go out and engage with a discharge program in a skilled nursing building. They're different people, different mindsets, personalities. 
And so a pharmacy has to kind of get outside the comfort zone and hire very different people. And they have to treat it as a business unit. So yeah. a lot of times you, 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 you tiptoe into one of these things, it's going to fail. You have to set up a business unit with a business plan and treat it as a business and go after it. Yep. That's, that's, on the, that's the effort on, on, that pharmacies are going to have to take. But on the other hand, it's the failing of industry like, like my kind of companies for not having provided the right tools that pharmacies need to do this in an automated, streamlined fashion. And if there's too big of a, of a lift, and there is too big, of, there has been too big of a lift in the past, because there aren't tools in place to help pharmacies. There's lots of tools in place to help physicians. They're everywhere. Yeah. Some of those tools can be leveraged and used by pharmacy, but we need pharmacy-specific workflow and data points and integrations in order to really bring pharmacy into the fold and streamline that process. So, um, again, I'm trying to. I've always felt like if, if you can hand a solution to somebody and give them kind of a turnkey cookie cutter way of doing something in a very, with a very focused directive, like you might go to pharmacy and say, hey, these are your top four disease states. These are your top four opportunities. Let's build algorithms and identify those and relentlessly pursue those four, not 40 that are, that are out there, but these four and let's get started. Um, I think that's where pharmacy needs to start. I think technology companies have not evolved to help pharmacy enough with that, but um, I, for one, am trying to change that. <laughs> no, that's awesome. All right, I'm going to throw you a, a, another wild card question. Um, I know that you're a big historian, and I see your Abraham Lincoln picture behind you. What, uh, what do you think Abraham Lincoln, what, what advice would he give pharmacy or long-term care pharmacy um, if he were in this business and looking at, at, at this opportunity that they have? I think Abraham Lincoln was an incredibly aggressive, ambitious, uh, thoughtful guy. And I think he would be the leader in pushing this forward. I don't know if you know this, but Abraham Lincoln is the only U.S. president who actually has a patent so this was one innovative guy. He was always looking to solve problems. And he changed so much over the course of his life and the way he thought and the way he approached things. You know, he's caught a lot of flack for how he um, was looking to solve the slavery issue by resettling slaves in other countries. He's caught a lot of flack for that in recent years. Um, but this was a man who pivoted from policy to policy as he evolved in his thinking and eventually, you know, was um, was killed for the suggestion that blacks might be able to vote in the United States. And so I think this is a guy who um, was willing to change with the times. He wasn't rigid in his mindset and he was an innovator. So I think Abraham Lincoln would, um, would probably um, be on my engineering staff today. That's awesome. Great answer. What about Joe Biden? <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> Just joking. I'm not sure he'd be uh, on my engineering staff. <laughs> um, we would be working hard for Joe Biden. He's he's got a few patents he's, too, but he uh, <laughs> he's a customer. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> okay, Matt. Uh, kind of to, to summarize a little bit, and 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 I ask this a lot, but. Um, yeah, uh, um, 
I'm the uh, pharmacy genie. Uh, you've got three wishes. Go for it. Give me, uh, give, give me, if, you know, industry-wise, technology-wise, automation. You know, in what, what would be your hope that we need as as an industry? That if you could just ma wave a magic wand, you can get. Well, um, it's an interesting question. As I sit here with you and Chad today, um, the first thing that comes to my mind is that our long-term care industry in particular, but the pharmacy industry as a whole, we are all such a close-knit group of people and we have such good friendships and we all care about the patient and we care about the pharmacy industry. And I think one of my frustrations is that we don't come together enough as an industry with the power of the industry to assert the right lobby effort, the right dollars, the um, leveraging the voice of the industry with technology partners to make sure we're delivering, that technology partners are delivering what the industry needs. I think there's so much firepower in the industry. And if we collaborated more and leveraged each other more, we'd be so much farther ahead. Um, so that would be one of my dreams is that groups like ASCAP, um, SCPC, um, even some of the larger chains to have the firepower of the Pharmaericas Omnicares. And SCPC has done a good job um, of, of doing some of that, but I think there's lots of opportunity left out there for us to leverage the industry to do better. And then my other hope is that, um, you know, I, I live, breathe, and die pharmacy automated. It's all I've done for over 20 years. And I've, if I could wave a magic wand, I'd like to set the clock back a few years because I think what's happened in the industry, um, you know, whether it's pandemic, whether it's suppliers, uh, whether it's um, whether it's reimbursement from the payers, pharmacy's been under a huge amount of pressure. And I want to reset that clock. I want to see the industry reset that clock. I want to go back to, to a degree of normalcy, normal pricing, normal margins. And I want to be I want to participate in that. And I want every other supplier to the industry to participate in that. I feel like pharmacy is getting crushed and there's going to be nothing else to take from pharmacy if you if we don't stop crushing pharmacy. So um, if I could wave, wave a magic wand, it would be that everybody who supplies and provides pharmacy services gets back to reality and helps pharmacy and recognizes them for the healthcare providers they are and the importance in the communities that they are. And then the, um, I guess the third wish I would have is that um, everyone buy their technology exclusively from me. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> well, I'm going across the river to talk to Joe Biden about all three of those uh, this afternoon. So, Excellent. Good luck with that conversation. <laughs> no, this has been awesome, Matt. I really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing your story and talking about your vision for where pharmacy is headed. And I think, um, I, you know, from our perspective at ASCP, I think that we are moving in those directions. I think our long-term care pharmacy at home uh, coalition yes. uh, that, uh, you know, f fortunately all the players are at the table and that coalition and that, you know, what people don't think about that is exactly what you've sort of spent the last uh, half hour describing is that it's not just 
um, providing compliance packaging to people at home like we do in nursing homes. It's not just 24-7 access or emergency access to people at home like we provide in nursing homes. It's also that clinical component and that ability to uh, personalize the medication management to the individual that's at the home. And that's going to take AI and it's going to take pharmacists that are doing the clinical work just as, as much as it's going to take those pharmacists that are doing that uh, operational work and that logistical work. Um, so it is kind of a, a focal point for coming together for a lot of the organizations and, and ASCP hopes to continue um, to lead on that. Um, and, uh, you know, in terms of your first dream, I think one of the things that we'll really work hard to do is put together some kind of, um, you know, advisory group that does bring those people together to leverage that power to push some of these initiation initiatives forward. So thank you for that. Chad, I love that description. Um, and I really respect what um, you and the folks at ASCAP are doing to help promote long-term care at home. And I, again, I'm just in, I, I personally am in a mad rush to come up with the tools that um, will help facilitate that. But I think as, a, as an awareness and from a workflow perspective, we have to be partnered with people like you and Tom because you guys know operationally how to make that happen at the pharmacy level and would love to have guidance on how we develop our technology to meet the needs of pharmacy rather than meeting the needs of the technology company that provides it. Right. That's right. Well, thank you, Matt. I appreciate uh, your time and uh, expertise here. It was nice to talk to you again. Thank you, Matt. Thanks so much, Matt. Well, thanks, gentlemen. Good talking to you. We'll see everybody on the next edition of our experience. <laughs>